destroy all children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy all children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm alive. I live. Yeah, barely. Breathe. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry about last. I was out sick. And so, uh, not able to record. And as I understand it, nothing happened in the world of video games. No. So this will be a fairly light episode. Yeah, nothing at all that made me like, ah, <laughs> when you said, uh, we need to take this week off. Uh, <laughs> do you want to just hop right you... into it? News. News. I was fairly medicated, so honestly, in an episode where I was just a complete zombie and you're droning on about Xbox backwards compatibility would have been very bad, but now this week I'm back on drinking Dr. Pepper, so I'm wide awake, it's 8am, I'm full of energy, tell me about Seagate memory cards. Uh, well, for one thing, I was just going to replace you, I was just going to get Max or Dylan in here and go at it that way, but then I thought, eh, might not, you know mess with the integrity of the show we should probably always be here uh both yeah. of us and you, even though you know you're really expendable um seagate memory cards uh microsoft released the pricing for their one terabyte expansion cards uh those things are 220 gang dollars yeah you could <laughs> surprised you haven't just taken a bunch of like Recordings of me and created a digital George at this point. Uh, to make a soundboard. That's not bad. Yeah, two. One. Let's <laughs> make a note. Yeah, I should probably write that down. Otherwise, I'll forget about it. Create George Simulacrum. Just okay. gonna have to go digging for the line though, where I say I think cum is neat. <sighs> Yeah. Who knows what episode that's on at this point? Not even sure that's on this podcast. I think it was. Pretty pretty and, sure it was. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, are you ready to pay over two hundred twenty American dollars for a memory card? In no, I am not. No. What? Why not? Well, I will say. I think memory cards are neat <laughs> And I actually, I like that approach to it Better <laughs> than the PlayStation 5's Approach of, oh, you crack open Your clam console And shove a Random SSD that you bought In there, like that thing sure. is I prefer just having a little Card, you slot it in the back Great, however yeah. uh, The price prospect of it Not so much um, considering you can get like a two terabyte external drive for about fifty dollars, which is what I did, there's no real reason to get it unless you want everything installed on SSD all the time. Well, so there was a thing. I think it, 
it was yesterday that apparently like the new call of duty is 250 gigabytes now or something like that oh yeah that thing's so, been bloated for a long time yes but that's kind of like a similar thing to what we were seeing going from uh you know the playstation 3 360 generation into this current one was there were some games that were coming out that had bloated file sizes and people were like, surely they're not going to make games that are this big routinely. And then they did, and hard drives began to fill up very, very quickly. Uh, yeah. So grim portent of things to come, I think. Well, I, I think that you will probably end up wanting to have a memory card, and yeah, 220 bucks is a hell of a price to pay for that. Well, by the time that becomes something that you would probably need... Then prices would go down considerably I um, would hope but uh, also... I'm sure it will Because the SSD prices have already gone down quite a bit In the past few years Um, But yeah that Call of Duty Modern Warfare is kind of an outlier It's like that and For Stuff now. like GTA 5 And Red Dead Redemption 2 That just keep getting bigger And bigger and bigger and bigger bigger no i i actually do not yeah. think like 200 plus would become the norm anytime soon i could see him getting up to 100 that's i think the max what we'd get this generation i th- i think I think they're going to go over 100 i think 100s are going to be the norm for a while but they're going to start hitting like 150 175 well, Probably not 250 gigabytes. Like, I do think that that is actually probably going to stay an outlier, but I I think that they're going to routinely go over 100 gigabytes. Maybe. Who knows? We can't see the future. We're not Michael Pachter. We're not over here saying uh, really stupid shit all the time. Well, we are, but not in the same way. Where's Michael Pachter now, huh? I don't know. Where is he? Him and, uh, Keith, him and Keith Olbermann, I was thinking about recently, just kind of like, these guys dropped off the, off the face of the earth. Like, I've not heard anything about them or from them in a very long time. Olbermann's and I kind like of wonder what doing, they're up to. But he's like gone nutso on Twitter or something. That's what I assumed with him, is that probably he's like a Twitter guy now. Yeah. Uh, but like I forget what happened to his show even I don't know if he retired or if it was a thing where MSNBC was like Look, you, you really need to leave I don't know Look, they've got Rachel but Maddow with... over there saying uh, some really smart stuff So, Oh, sure Um, No, with Patrick though, that was, you know, he was on game trailers And then that ended up going under And I don't know what he's Ship, like shifted over to since then Maybe he's just doing the consulting stuff And he's completely like just bowed out Of giving his opinions to the public I think uh, it's kind of amazing right How everything Jeff Keighley is on Has like crashed and burned And yet he is more powerful than ever Yeah I subscribed to Subscribed I followed him on Twitter uh, To kind of track all like the new console release stuff And uh Man, he is active Oh, I unfollowed him as soon as I got the PS5 pre-order I was like, I don't need to see any of this anymore I keep thinking that I should And then he tweets some real dumb shit out that I find funny And so I just never do it Alright, what was it? What did he tweet out? 
I, I could not tell you any one particular thing. It just occasionally he will tweet something that just makes it look like he's maybe not lucid. Okay. And I think like, oh, I like this side of Jeff Keighley. All right. Anyway, uh, there's some other stuff about the Xbox, specifically backwards compatibility. Yeah. And I'm assuming you watched the same Digital Foundry video that I watched. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, that's okay. the idea. Because uh, they're the only well, ones who have actually you... tested this to any reasonable yeah. degree. Uh, but yeah, they tested backwards compatible stuff on the Series X. And big improvements for quite a few titles, which is surprising to me. Because a lot of times, if you get backwards compatibility stuff, it's essentially just running things exactly the same as it would on the original console, but here it's like Hitman 2 at 4K at 60 frames per second, which is very nice. Yeah, there's... Borat 2 is coming out soon. It's coming back. We're able to make Borat jokes again. So Hitman 2, I don't think hit... My wife! You're expendable, you know that? (laughs) I just replace no, you I'm with not. the Borat soundboard at any time. I do the recording, I do the editing, <laughs> I do the uploading. So, uh, no, I'm not. Well, be that as it may, or not be that as it may. Uh, yeah, I don't think like Hitman Two actually ran at a stable sixty the entire time, though. Like, nah, there was well, still some mostly. stuff with the outside of the Paris level where it it still got a little bit framey. But like that's the thing is well, even at its uh, most the thing framey, is, yeah, it was still a huge improvement over the original one, which like that game really really chugs through that section. Like it's very CPU intensive, yeah, on current gen consoles. Uh, so even getting like you know always bouncing between like maybe fifty five and sixty is still like just a huge leap over where that game was. Right, that's why I was gonna say like you say it's framey, but it was getting down to like fifty five, and that was yeah. about it. Which, like, That's whatever. kind of the point I want to make is is even then, the, the games that still seem to struggle a little bit through backwards compatibility are just so vastly improved that it's negligible. Yeah, um, yeah. Like versus, a, like you said, Monster Hunter World was 60 like the whole time, except oddly, we would yeah. pick up one of those health plants that made it dip a little bit, and that was it. Um, yeah. But, but for then, the most part, everything is running very stable at 60 frames a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, the issue is that you have some there just locked to thirty, like um, yeah. the Rise of the Tomb Raider they showed. Um, although that also does have the unlocked frame rate version, which of course runs perfectly fine now. Uh, it did not before. Uh, Can't wait to see how good Crash Bandicoot Four runs on backwards compatibility on the Series X. Well, it's already it sixty is. on the Xbox One X. I'm more referencing the base version systems for that game and how, like, apparently Crash Bandicoot 4 runs, like, trash on a regular Xbox One and a regular PlayStation 4. Yeah, it does, but what I'm saying is it runs at 60 on the Xbox One X, so of course it's going to run the same on Series X, so I don't know why you brought that up. Uh, I just wanted to take a snipe at it. Okay, this is great news. Yes, I actually received Crash Bandicoot 4 from Gamefly yesterday and immediately sent it back because I'm not going to play it like that because at the moment I only have my base PS4 
sold my Xbox One X for Series X monies. Uh, which, like, whatever. There was nothing I was really going to play on it for the next month. Yeah. Because we're only a little over a month out. Um, you have occasionally expressed to me that there are 4K things you might want to watch, but now you're just going to have to, like, you know, wait a month, which, big deal. I did? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember specifically what movies, but there were like a couple where you're like, oh yeah, I'd like to watch that again, but uh, 4K, so. I don't remember this, but okay. We talked uh, about Speed Racer and how there yeah. should be a 4K version of that, and it came up in that conversation there were some other movies, but I forget what they were. I think Mad Max was one of them. I don't think I said I was going to watch anything. Oh, okay. I think I just said I have some 4K Blu-rays, but now I don't have anything to play them on. Uh, yeah. Soon I will well, have two things to play them on. That's right. Soon. You put them on different inputs and just bounce between them. That's right. I'm going to AB uh, Kong Skull Island and Mad Max Fury Road. Jesus. See yeah, if I can. I oh, maybe to... I could do a picture in picture. I don't know if my TV supports that. Probably not. It starts crackling and smoke starts coming out of the back. Yeah. It's too much. Too much 4K. Uh, yeah, the Crash Bandicoot 4 thing is is weird that it runs so poorly on the base versions of those consoles because for like I when I look at that game I I can't I don't know what on earth about that would make it run so poorly. It's I don't not, know. It's a decent looking game. It's not like that. It's not doing anything crazy. No, it does look blurry too, which I guess is like a stylistic yeah. choice, but. Yeah. Doesn't really help, um, yeah. especially considering recently I was playing the Ratchet and Clank from uh, 2016, the reimagining they called it, not a reboot, because technically still in continuity, because it's like a, it's like a retelling by Captain Quark, um, but that still looks great, really sharp, runs well. Uh, it came out four years ago. Anyway, yeah. good that, that the Series X can actually enhance games, especially games that are not yeah. specifically labeled as optimized for Series X. Like, you would expect stuff, you know, coming out now, uh, like the launch titles and your Assassin's Creeds and whatnot to be enhanced in that fashion, but not just, like, you know, Monster Hunter World and random old crap. But that's good. I'm very yeah. excited to see... Uh, how it fares with other stuff I've got. I got uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It was like uh, 20 bucks with all the DLC and whatnot. And Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered came with it. So I'm interested to see if that'll bump up the frame rate on there or something. Apparently it ran alright on the X anyway. So, you know, hopefully better on the Series X. I'll find out. I'm Apparently that game's good. What... I'm curious what the backwards compatibility performance is going to be like on the PlayStation 5. So It's going to be similar to like everything else between the Series X and the PlayStation 5 where it's just not as good. So, yeah, because it has a boost mode, but that's not going to be on everything. Just Cause... flip open this little like compartment on the controller and you hit the big red button. Yeah. Boost your game. Yeah, it's like a Steel Battalion controller. Yeah. Just uh, put some NOS inside this console and right. go real fast. Well, that that was something that came out when uh, you were uh, uh, you were bedridden, uh, you were in hospice, yeah. 
is that uh, people found code on the PlayStation website that said something about uh, there was like an entry for whether it supports boost mode, whether it supports backwards compatibility even on PS5, and stuff that says like they're working to add more games backwards compatibility and update your console, try again or something. Um, but yeah, boost mode is not necessarily on everything. And so yeah, uh, the prospect is a little iffy. Backwards compatibility compatibility on PS5, which is not that surprising considering how reticent they've been to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, how reticent they've been to talk about everything regarding to the PS5. Who knows That's... what the UI is like? I don't know. They're a month so away. there was apparently there was apparently a UI leak, but I don't know, you know, how trustworthy that is. Somebody had the controller in hand and they booted up the system and it showed the like boot screen for it, but not the actual UI, mm. like the actual navigating around. Um, but again, like I, it could have just been an elaborate fake. Uh, it seems convincing it? enough to me, but that sort of things happened before and. You know, I'm tired of getting fooled, so I'm just doubting everything. Yeah, fool me once, shame on you. Yeah. Fool me twice, won't won't get fooled again. That's right. We're pulling out all the classics on this episode. <laughs> George Bush quotes, Borat quotes. Uh huh. We might it's... talk about a Star Trek later on. Live, I don't know. Living in 2004. Um, it's the backwards compatibility episode, which means that also all of our old early aughts quotes are now compatible with today. Yeah, it's like wiping work. your ass with silk. I love it. There you go. See <laughs> what's old has become new again. That's right. Uh, so the UI what that the you fuck saw. Are we talking about now the UI, right? <laughs> yeah. Was it the same as in that reveal event where it had like the glittery stuff and so like no. press the PS oh, button? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, that makes yeah. me think that maybe somebody just took that and put it like on a screen. See, I had totally forgotten about that. Otherwise, oh. that is where I would have gone to and just immediately had written it off. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I forgot that even happened. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was just that. Uh, there was a thing where they picked up the controller and the lights on the controller went on before they actually turned on the console. And then there was, I guess somebody was saying that there might have been like a patent or something like that for Sony that, that basically said that like the controllers will actually know when you pick it up and it will like turn the lights and everything on without you actually putting like any input in. Uh, but well, I, I don't know. That That's a good way to drain the battery because uh, it'll determine sure. that's been picked up when it hasn't been. But again, like there is nothing to confirm that that is actually the case or that any of this stuff is true. This is just something I caught out the corner of my eye when I went to Reddit one day. I, um, I, I have determined I have pre-ordered the charging cradle for the controller. Uh, because see, I want to, but it's just too much money. Like I'm waiting for a third yeah, party one to come out. Well, I don't know that I would. Tr- I don't trust third party charging anything, honestly. Um, I want my home to burn down Because I charged my Playstation 5 controller So my plan is uh, I've got This uh, this TV stand and stuff I think I'm probably going to take out The shelf that my PS4 is currently on So then I will I have I interpreted this You with a sledgehammer just Knocking out parts of yeah. this media stand To make more room for the yeah. Playstation 5 uh-huh. More power. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, that's right. Then I, uh, I sustain a head injury 
and Al laughs at me. Anyway, uh, I was going to take out the shelf on the entertainment center. Uh, currently, I have the PS4 on top and then the Switch on the bottom shelf. I can move the Switch out. Who cares? What's that the, thing uh, doing? Just put it behind the TV stand. Yeah. Just set the dock on the ground. Yeah. Well, whatever. Well, so my like middle area, uh, I just have like movies and games and stuff that I'm gonna be playing soon. I just like plop them in there. So I was going to have the switch on the bottom of the middle segment, and the left is just you know dedicated to the PlayStation Obelisk. Um, but then because thankfully. It has back USB ports now. Uh, one of those could be for the charging dock that I would just sort of uh, feed through the back of the TV stand and then into the top middle thing. I can have the controller charging thing there. And uh, the other back port for the external USB drive. So You've thought nice. so much about this. Like, I've not even considered. I was like, whatever. When I get the I, thing, I'll figure it all out. I have been measuring things. Uh, getting a tape measure out and being like, alright, I need 16 inches for this big boy. Uh, measuring stands, measuring consoles, measuring myself, just measuring everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and on the right side, uh, currently, well, currently there's nothing on the bottom, but that was where the Xbox One X lived. And above that is the Wii U, uh, which I still have plugged in to play Fortune Street for the Wii. <laughs> The Fortune and, Street machine. Well, that and Xenoblade Chronicles X, uh, sure. which hopefully will get ported to the Switch at some point. Everything else has. Yeah. Well, and the Zeldas. We need to get the Zeldas on there. I have a, I have a bone to pick with you. What? Uh, I don't appreciate you calling the PlayStation 5 an obelisk. I think it's really more of a spire, whereas the Series X is an obelisk. Yeah, and so good. I vote that's a good point. that we refer to it as the spire and the obelisk. Respectively. Okay. Yeah. I well, when I All said right. that, I kind of thought that, uh, but I w- wasn't really sure of a proper term for the PlayStation. But yeah, Spire's pretty good. I I thought about this a lot in my delirium last week, and this is where I ended up. Yeah. I mean, every time I see so. the Xbox One X or a uh, Series X, uh, I just want to grab a bone and throw it in the air. <laughs> sure. Become did monkey. You, did you know the stand doesn't come off? Of the Series X? <laughs> Wait, what? Seriously? Yeah. So if you have to set that thing on the side, you're just going to have this round yeah. thing on the bottom of it. Yeah. All right. That seems dumb. Yeah, it does. Like, I, I kept looking at that thing, too, and trying to figure out, like, exactly how you would position it on its side anyway, and it really just does not seem like that thing is designed aesthetically or otherwise to be placed horizontally no it doesn't so i guess that kind of makes sense to me but also i don't know who really has that much vertical space unless your tv is like wall mounted yeah because mine's on the actual stand has a mount on the back that i use and because of that like i am lacking for the spire i'm lacking like six inches of clearance on that thing so there's no way it will go vertical but like even a series x is probably not going to go vertical on that stand yeah, so that, that's why I was thinking about if I have to take the Wii U out, uh, I would have to yeah. take that out to get the Series X vertical. I, I would have plenty of space for it horizontally. It just it looks weird horizontally. Uh, I have never really... had... What? 
is a really dull conversation for the podcast. There's our 50-minute segment of, we're still trying to figure out how the fuck to even put these things inside our homes. Well, no, but <laughs> We've it's been relevant. here before and talked about this. I don't... Sure. I, mm. I just find it funny. But, yeah, but yes, like, these things are too damn big. Yeah. It is, it is actually a, a physical problem trying to figure out where to put these things. Series X is not nearly as much of a problem. Like, at least... No. It's still a problem, though. Yeah. It's still bigger than it really ought to be. Well, I don't know about that. It's just a weird shape, is the thing. Like, if it was regular uh, yeah, shaped, uh, I don't know why it's so yeah. thick, I guess. There's this rectangle. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, speaking of PS5's UI, uh, the PS5, it it's upsetting Japan right now. Why is it's that? It's button compliance, baby. That's right. They they're changing it finally. So you know, well known thing. Circle is supposed to be kind of like an okay, like a positive sign. That's in right. Japan, whereas an X obviously is like no good, bad, back Bats, out. Batsu. Yeah, and so. You know, your circle would basically be your A button, and your cross button is basically your B button, and that is the way it is over in Japan, whereas here it is the inverse of this uh, RX button is your A button, and and vice versa. Uh, So Sony has decided that they're going to be compliant with the American controller layout, uh, which means that Japanese users will have to get used to the fact that X is now confirmed and circle is cancel. Uh, which uh, we both follow Tetsuya on Twitter. We have brought him up on this podcast before, and uh, we both learned about this the same way, which is him just tweeting out, this is a nightmare! <laughs> Tetsuya not happy about it. <laughs> no, not happy at we all. We should mention Tetsuya45. Uh, this is not uh, Tetsuya Nomura. No. I would never I mean, follow him. We don't him. know that for sure. This could be a dummy account of his. I'm no, not... well, we've seen his art, and he doesn't draw zippers on everybody, so... It's that's, not Nomura. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, so, like, obviously this doesn't matter uh, for us gaijin over here. Yeah. Uh, Ninja it gaijin. should, frankly, barely... Yeah. It, it should barely matter in Japan, too, I would think. Here's... I play so many different video games on so many different consoles, I have to do this shit all the time. Yeah. Like I ru- I routinely press the wrong button in a game and have a just like a second where I'm like, oh okay, it's reversed. Yeah. So, Anytime you go to a Nintendo game also it's just like, oh yeah. I guess I'm pressing A now. Can, Yeah, but, completely flip my way of thinking. So a couple of things about this. One, I bet there will be an option in the UI to switch them. Because yeah. you can in RetroArch. That defaults to uh circle to confirm also. But you can switch them around. Um, Can I make a counter-argument to that, though? What? It's the PlayStation 5. It's a good point. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is, it seems like a lot of them like to place the blame to Xbox for popularizing the A button placement on the bottom. Everything. Mm. However, no. I made the po- I made the point... The Xbox controller was just ripping off the Dreamcast controller. So, yeah. Ultimately, Sega is to blame. As they are for most yep. things. Absolutely. Almost nothing Sega has ever done has been good. 
Except for bringing Yakuza to us a Sonic Space Channel had... 5 Yeah, Space Channel 5, sure Yeah But then they also got Alex yeah, that E. They had that E3 uh, The last one that they they went to Before they died uh, Where they just had that that like huge display With a bunch of uh, women dressed up Like Space Channel characters dancing They were yeah. going hard on Space Channel 5 there's, Back in the day There's that new Space Channel They needed to go hard on everything <laughs> There's a new Space Channel 5 in VR So Ooh. Did you not know about that? that? No I did not know about oh. that Yeah, That's the thing um, I need to mm, I got the rift right here I might need to look this up after the podcast Speaking of Sega doing stupid shit Alright Yakuza like a dragon not coming Wait out on, on not coming out on PS5 until March of next year. Hell yeah. And well, so okay. I'm going to have to wait that long to play that video game. Well, hey, you might be thinking <laughs> True. True to the Yakuza experience though. I have to wait fucking forever to actually sit down and play it. Cuz like it's been a while since I played Yakuza games. Like they've been coming out here at a reasonable pace for a while now. Back when I was playing them it was like not even certain if one would come over yeah and if it did it would take like a couple years yeah for a while here, so, they, they were really cranking them out like every six months uh because they were yeah. so backed up and then there's just like the floodgates <laughs> opened and they were like oh you people okay zero was a big success here you go here's kiwami and kiwami 2 and six sega's uh, bowels are impacted with yakuza games yeah uh, uh so you might be thinking well it's not coming out until March, that's fine I'll play it on PS4 because You do get a free upgrade to the PS5 version When that comes out Well, if you do that You get to start all over Because game saves are not compatible Yeah, so this is the thing That I um, I heard about this before All the Yakuza stuff, even though the Yakuza Thing ties into it, which is that If you're doing upgrades from Playstation 4 To Playstation 5 games, apparently saves Will not carry over, it's not just Yakuza But any game that does A upgrade between the consoles uh-huh. So, so again I would doubt that There's going to be a UI Option <laughs> for The X and the circle button Because it's Playstation and they won't even let you fucking migrate your saves over on games that have free upgrades. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. What is Sony doing, man? I don't know. Well, what the fuck? We saw this coming, though. To be fair, we said, "What if this generation it's the PS3 generation again? We get cocky yeah. Sony, and they don't care, and they're just gonna do whatever they're gonna do." And just like not bother trying to match the Xbox and anything, I I think this is gonna well, go I mean, bad they... again. Yeah, I think I... it's gonna be exactly the PS3 when it all over again. That's the thing that's kind of fucked me up. Is this is sort of like a back and forth thing between the Xbox and the PlayStation, where it's just every other generation for each of them? Because like the the Xbox One generation, they they kind of course corrected. Over time, yeah, but I mean like, that was all. The start of that generation was really rough. You for can, them. yeah, with that you can at least place the blame directly on Don Matrick. Like, he, you can. He was but... the dude. Yes, but it was also a very specific. It's a similar mindset to what Sony keeps falling into, which is they get cocky and then they fuck up. 
Well, not like my, Microsoft. They they had that Xbox 360 generation pretty much on lock, and then yeah. they really misstepped at the start of the subsequent generation. And again, they corrected because you know Don Magic. Eventually, they just you know they opened the hatch on the submarine and they let him eat water. They shot him off to pop cap. Um, well, <laughs> That's right. So the thing is, though, oh, wait, no, was it pop cap? It was. Oh, it was some know. other like mobile. Facebook yeah. game developer or something. Anyway, uh, in that case, it was it was kind of two things. One is that they were focusing way too much on the multimedia aspect for whatever reason, the whole TV integration thing, which they ended up quickly abandoning. Um, yeah. And the other thing was insisting that connects be <laughs> in every box, which also raised the price by a hundred dang dollars. And yeah, it, also having a weaker console than the PS4. Uh, but yeah. more expensive well, it, because it of also, the connect. It was also a transitional thing because even the end of the Xbox 360 generation, you started to see them kind of making these mistakes. Like as soon as they got really inundated with connect in general, is is where Xbox yeah. kind of stopped being as strong. And like Sony, after the hack that happened, like you could see they kind of had their come to Jesus moment, and that they needed to really course correct pretty aggressively. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the end of the of the PlayStation 3, like, hell of a lot better than where that console mostly existed. Yeah, yeah. But, uh... Yeah. Like, I'm I... sure Sony will figure it out, but it's it's going to be a really rough first few years, I think, just kind of based on everything that we know about the PlayStation 5 and what Sony's mindset is with it versus Microsoft's and where they're at with the Series X. Could be. But my point was more that... With the Xbox's failings last generation You could point to specific concrete things That they did wrong And this it's more just like A cacophony of Like really anti-consumer practices And uh Just like General fucking up I guess And just like It's it's Nintendo level at this point Yes Um it is still a little surprising to me because Mark Cerny is still like the actual like hardware architect. Yeah, and so I you would think Jim that Ryan. some of this stuff. I would still think some of the stuff Mark Cerny would be able to point to and just say like, "No, this is actually a bad idea on a system level." Like yeah. some of the business stuff, I get is going to be totally out of his hands. But stuff like not being able to transfer saves over seems like a Mark Cerny problem and mm. something Mark Cerny probably should have figured out. Like I do not understand from a business perspective, what the benefit is to Sony in having you not being able to transfer those saves over. Well, so in this case, I would assume it's because there's something about the way they're treated as like a separate application or a PS5 compared to PS4. But then that would still be like a system thing. That would be a hurdle that Cerny and his team would need to figure out and overcome. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that's why it is. I don't know why they can't find a way to fix that. Yeah. I would actually have to assume that it's something, given enough time, they will. Like, I think through patches, eventually they'll get that figured out. But it's still not good that out of the box, that is not something that they have apparently even considered. Yeah, because I think if they stopped and thought about it for a second, they would have fucking fixed it. They should uh, just call Kojima and learn about yeah. transferring. That's right. Uh, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. 
So I, I feel so weird about the PlayStation 5 because like I want it real bad and there's a bunch of games I want for it too. But yeah, I kind of get the same sense that it's like this could go completely sideways the same way the PlayStation 3 went sideways. Well, like maybe not quite actually to the same degree because a lot of the PlayStation 3's problems too was the actual hardware architecture and how that was really constraining developers. Yeah. But as as far as as you said, kind of just anti-consumerism and there's still just very weird architectural problems with the thing too that while they seem surmountable it, it's going to be kind of fucked out of the box for a while it, it has strange things like how so it has the worst gpu and i yeah. believe cpu there the idea is that they are sort of offsetting that with higher io throughput or the ram and the storage but then that also results in the weird 825 gigabyte capacity for the SSD. And they have not said how God, much of that is that. reserved by like the OS and everything. Uh, the yeah. Series X is like 200 gigabytes of that. It's sort of partitioned off. Uh, I don't think there will be that much, you know, unusable on the PS5 drive. I hope not. Because that would be a. I can't wait chunk. to just shove another SSD into this fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, of course, the thing Remember is... when I was like, I don't want to upgrade my computer because it's expensive, and I just want to stick with the consoles, and now I'm just sitting here thinking about, like, okay, well, Xbox is charging 220 for their SSDs, and SSDs for the PlayStation 5 are probably going to be expensive, too. Yeah. And now I need a charging cradle, and... Oh, oh. Well, so... On the bright side, transferring games between external hard drives doesn't take that long. When I transferred everything to an external before I sold off my Xbox One X, it took like 10 minutes or so on average for a you know a fairly large 40 to 50 gigabyte game. So yeah. eh, it's not which a is, is big inconvenience. Which is something that I'm still looking forward to because, again, like I'm sure there will actually be a list that I can just refer to when the console's out, but part of me wanted to just take all my PlayStation 5 games and just put them in and install them real quick and see what runs and what doesn't run and how well they run. Mm. Uh, a lot of games, though. So even though, like, the, the speed to install that's going to be relatively fast, like, still probably going to be sitting there You're for gonna a while. going to install Speed so 2 Cruise Control it. on it? That's right. Okay. I mean, what better way to test the speed of the console? That's a good than point. By putting in Speed 2. Yeah. See how Robert Patrick see looks. That, I want to see that boat hit that dock in 4K. Yeah. 60 frames a second. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the true motion on. It's uh, Peter Jackson would approve. Everyone just has after images following them around. It just looks like total shit. Uh -huh. I'm getting like physically ill. Oh man, Speed 2 looking like a soap opera. Now you're talking. Yeah. Uh PS5. All right. Uh, speaking of, uh -huh. what, what else you gotta tell me about a uh, a remake of a game coming out for the PS5? Okay. So, uh, Spider-Man. Who's that? Does whatever a spider can. Oh. Uh, well, he shoots webs. Yeah. Uh, and in some stories, he has eight arms. And I don't like those stories. They make me feel uncomfortable. No, I did no, not like it when they did that in the cartoon. He didn't. He didn't have eight arms. 
in the cartoon. Oh, okay. I'm counting legs as arms. Okay. He had six arms and two human legs. Yeah. And it was it was terrible, and I hated it as a kid. <laughs> that was the worst arc of the TV show. It it upset me. You get to fight him on the roof in the Maximum Carnage. Uh, yeah. That's a game I should play, right? No. Maximum Carnage? Should no. I do that? No, I played it should recently. I I, I oh, recommend against it. Gun goes right in my mouth. That's really good music. Um, Green jelly. Yeah. What if uh, so you know that model that they had for Peter Parker and how that is a perfectly fine looking Peter Parker and he seems like he's been Spider-Man for a while? What if they made him look uh like 12-year-old Tom Holland? Well, it seems like it would be a bad idea. I don't know why they would do that. Well, they did it. What? And I've watched a few scenes with that model, and uh, it is as uncomfortable as six-armed, two-human-legged <laughs> Spider-Man. Like, it does not look right. The voice does not match even remotely. Like, the facial animations seem like... It looks like the Spider-Man just got out of the dentist, and he's still got, like, a bunch of Novocaine in his mouth. It, like, it looks like a he's got, like, a... sluggishness to it. To me, it looked like a... Like sort of leather face skin mask Or something is on him Yeah It's not even just that they made him look like Tom Holland For some reason My guess is that somebody with Marvel Said hey The Spider-Man branding now is Tom Holland So you need to change the model in this game I find it very hard to believe That the developer was like But what if the game had more Tom Holland Well it's apparently based Um, on a real guy that they used as a face model Yeah, Tom Holland is a real person <laughs> It's someone else, but yeah, it is he strange exists. That like, It makes you think they must have tried to find somebody Who looked like Tom Holland uh, Yeah Yeah, I don't know, like the original was obviously Sort of like off-brand Andrew Garfield But that, that it still worked Because, yeah. as you said in the story He's been Spider-Man for a few years Um so I, I think 10 years is the amount of time That they actually give in the game uh, right. I don't know He's college age in it Yeah but like he got his powers When he was like 15 uh, yeah. So yeah I think so he's like, like mid 20s Or something um, Yeah I'm not saying he's like 35 or anything like that But like he's been doing it for a decade Because you know Spider-Man should, was a spider lad When he got should, his powers They should have just changed him to uh, Peter B. Parker From Spider-Verse Oh that'd be good Yeah um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's weird because the new model now looks younger than Miles Morales Oh yeah, it does Also, that would be kind of funny if instead of just having like additional Spider-Man skins You have additional Peter Parker skins So you just make it look like Tobey Maguire Ooh. But like that, that's a lot of like having to pull down rights to use different actors' faces And that's a lot more difficult <laughs> but to model It shouldn't just general, be but sh- not just Tobey Maguire It should be like regular Tobey Maguire Crying uh-huh. Tobey Maguire And then uh-huh. goth Tobey put- Maguire <laughs> Yeah, now you're talking Yeah Oh, oh, crying Tobey Maguire would be great He just deliver his lines like normal But his face would just be all contorted <laughs> yeah. Like he's just tears streaming down his cheeks <laughs> God. I mean, oh, you man. can already do the point at people thing while you're walking, also. So that's right. Just put in an extra in button there. so you can do like the cartwheel things with his hands. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. they did put the Raimi Spider-Man suit in there too. They did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's uh, 
it's a very weird decision that somebody made. I don't know how far up the ladder that decision was made, but somebody sat down and said, make him look more like Tom Holland, and it looks like shit. Yeah. Which is weird, because the rest of that looks real good. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, God. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. I... Part of me wonders if they don't just change it back at some point because people seem to be universally upset by it. Yeah. I don't know. So I I know one of the developers was on Twitter complaining about getting death threats over it, which to be <laughs> fair, developers get death threats over literally anything. So oh, yeah. but still people seem not happy with what they did. So I would be curious if it actually ends up uh and so, Honestly, more curious to see what they end up doing with the actual sequel. If they yeah. just stick to that design, or I, I think so. What if that design is from the sequel that they're working on, and so they want yeah. parity between the two, and so they then put that design in? That's actually what I think is probably the case. Yeah. I think that's actually probably the case for a lot of the remaster. I think they're probably just using the assets that they were creating for the sequel, that and makes so sense. they're just like, well, we can just you know port the same city back into the old game and have and because all these it's using suits. probably the same rigging and everything for the uh mm-hmm. for the old animation that's what makes it look especially off yeah could be uh, oh, man. yeah i wonder if they change any other faces in it or if that's it like no, if they change the mary the mary jane or anything yeah. I'd maybe be okay if they changed the Mary Jane. There's uh, something about she, her design just did not land. With yeah, that. she looked a little strange. Um, yeah, I don't even necessarily know what it. Yeah. In fact, like a lot of the characters looked a little weird. Um, Doc Ock looked fine. Like Silver Sable looked strange. Uh, Aunt May did, but hey, Aunt May's dead, so whatever. <laughs> Spoilers. That's right. I forgot that they did that. That was great. That is, that was a really good scene Yeah Well also just like, you did it, you maniacs did it Nobody else had the balls, but you did it Let's kill off Aunt May, who cares Yeah, I was not expecting a Spider-Man game to make me feel human emotions uh, But You know that was kind of the strangest part though Was that uh, Peter's model in the original game kind of looked like Harry Osborn Yeah, kind of or he looked at least he looked Osborne adjacent, I would say. I still really want to get at that sequel and see what they're doing with the symbiote and Green Goblin. Because like yeah. the, the stuff that they had kind of built up to at the end of that game was very interesting to me. Kind of speaking of like how, you know, they had the balls to kill off Aunt May. Mm-hmm. And so they're not just kind of like pigeonholing themselves into what they can do based on Spider-Man continuity. They're kind of doing what they want to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so some of that stuff that they introduced with the symbiote is neat. I'm looking forward to it. They also so. they went through a lot of villains in that first one, which was nice. Oh, yeah, like to did. just go through a whole gauntlet of all of them. Like it had okay, Kingpin, uh, yep. Mister Negative, which is a weird pick, but whatever. Um, which by the way, it turns out the DLC has uh, sort of the conclusion. To uh, the cop storyline Yuri Watanabe Like all of her stuff Ends in that DLC mm. It's kind of strange um, Let's see Electro uh, Not played by Jamie Foxx Unfortunately 
I mean, uh, they might update that face model. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, Jamie Foxx says that Electro is not going to be blue in the MCU. So then fuck what's that. the point? Exactly. I don't care then. Uh, next, next, he's going to say that they aren't going to show a close-up of his teeth straightening. His teeth have become magnetized, you see. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Electro, Vulture, Rhino. The movie was so goddamn dumb. <laughs> I still haven't seen I saw it. That. I saw that in the movie theater. I like the first one. <laughs> Never saw the second. Yeah, the first one's great. Yeah. I'd, uh, you should maybe watch the second just to sort of pay witness to it, because it is actually kind of fascinating how bad it is. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, I like the suit, which, by the way, that suit yeah. is also in the remaster, which is cool, because yeah. I th- I, ac- I actually think it's one of the best-looking Spider-Man suits in movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you gave me that, but the eyes also moved, it would pretty pretty much be perfect. Yeah. Um, so I think the sequel... Well, okay. It already teased the symbiotes and Green Goblin. You think Kraven will be in it? Yes. What about... Scorpion will be in it. Scorpion was in the first. They'll bring him back okay. for the sequel. Uh, uh, yeah, I totally Mysterio? Yeah, I was going to say Mysterio. They'll probably put in there. Especially since, Especially since the last Spider-Man movie also had Mysterio. Yeah. So I think that people are kind of like, Mysterio has been built up recently. Sure. He's got more brand recognition now. Make him look like uh, Jake the Snake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Yeah, uh, probably Sandman, I'd imagine. Do not make it so he killed Uncle Ben this time, though. I don't know. I like that a whole lot because it's very <laughs> stupid. I hate it. So it's, dumb. it's on the level of Jokester being the one who killed Thomas and Martha Wayne. Remember when Sandman turned to Uncle Ben and said, "You ever dance with the <laughs> devil by the pale moonlight?" Yeah, yeah. He likes to ask that of all his prey. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. And then Peter starts crying and he says, Wanna get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> Never rub another man's rhubarb. Uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, curious uh, to see who they put in that game. Yes. Anyway, take a short break. We'll come back, talk about oh no, more video games. <laughs> It's been 35 years of Mario, and I Woo! have been playing Mario 35. I also I don't played. Like yeah, I played three or four games of it, which took about two hours, and I also do not like yeah. it. So Mario 35 is basically a Tetris 99 thing for people who are perhaps unaware. Uh, you, the the point is, you and 34 other people. Uh, Parachute out of a, out of an airship down into the Mushroom Kingdom. Thirty-five Mario's you, drop onto an island. That's right. Uh, you basically play endless Mario until you die, or thirty-four other people before you die. 
uh, it is not a race to the end of the level as I initially thought it was. Yeah. Uh, and and so when you kill enemies, you send enemies over to other players' screens. You have a few different options for how you decide to target other players, which is uh, random, coin count, least time, or attackers. Uh, and it's laid out exactly like it is in Tetris 99, where you flick the right stick. Uh, and then you also are earning coins throughout a match, which you can then use to basically get a kind of like a Mario Kart-esque uh, wheel spin between different power-ups. So, you know, you can get a Fire Flower, you can use a Pal Block or something like that. Pal Blocks, uh, by the way, not in Mario 1. No. Uh, it's messed up. But then you also, if you get a 1-Up Mushroom, that gives you the 20 coins that you need to get a free spin of the wheel. Uh, which is probably a good idea. So some, but not all, of the secrets that you would find throughout Mario levels uh, in the original Mario are present in the game, so that hidden block in 1-1 is there. But you can't go down the pipe in 1-1, so no warp capabilities outside of the uh, you know hidden area at the end of 1-2. You can go down anyway. the pipe in 1. I tried, and it wouldn't let me. Me again. It, I mean, it's just a coin room, but... Oh, okay, weird. It did not let me go down. Uh, oh, I, I pretty much always went down there to get the extra coins. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, part of the problem with this game, though, that I've found, uh, and I think you will agree with me, is that by not having it actually be a race of any sort, but rather kind of a war of attrition between 34 other players, it takes fucking forever, man. Yeah. And so, like, and the other thing is, I, I'm not sure exactly how it works. From what I can tell, when you get into a game, you pick a level. And I think that's just putting it in a pool. Everybody else, everything, the levels everybody's picking goes into a big pile, and then basically that's what's picking from whenever you go to the next level. Which means a lot of people, I think, don't realize that's how it works, and they're just picking one one. And so that means you're just playing 1-1 one, one over and over and over. Yeah. There are a lot of times where you will just play 1-1, one, 1-2, one, one, and then when you uh, hit the flagpole in 1-2, it takes you back to 1-1. One, one, and yep. you just kind of enter into that loop. Yep. Because uh, occasionally I think you can't you'll, get you'll same... be in a Bowser level. but Yeah, I think you can't get the same one twice in a row. So that's why it'll do that. Like, there have been times I got 1-1, yeah. 1-2, one, 1-4, one, 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 one. It's just like... Yeah. Every time. More often than not, it seems like 1-1 one, one is kind of like the buffer in between levels. Like, I've yeah. rarely had it happen that I went from like 1-2 to like 2-4 or something like that. It's usually been some level 1-1, one, one, some level 1-1, one, one, some level 1-1. One, one. I don't uh, know. But yeah, that... the point is you're in 1-1 one, one so fucking much in that game. I don't know that I've seen anything beyond World 1. It's I just been seen... the first four over and over. I have seen two, four, and two, one. Okay. Wait, uh... And two... I, I've had one beyond that, too, because I had, like, a night level at some point, and I think those don't start popping up until, like, world four or world five. I think it's five. Uh, which yeah. is the first water level? Is that two, two? That's in world two, I'm pretty sure. I yeah. I think it's two, three. Okay, I, I think I got that once. That was it. Okay. I've never gone into a water level but so the, far. But the thing is, so... So far, like, I'm going to play it again. I'm not going to, so I never hit a water level, period. Yeah. But, so I would get 
ghost hammer brothers in my game and I never encountered a hammer brother. So apparently people get different levels or this might be related to the warp zone, which I never bothered to go into because I just assumed it wouldn't work in this. Um, I think the warp zone only takes you to whatever is available within the pool of levels that you got. Yeah, but it's um, still... I've checked it out a couple times. It, it still could mean that I could have gotten to 3-1 and gotten a Hammer Brother or something yeah. out of there. And that might be what another person did, I'm not sure. But um, then I think you also don't get a time bonus uh, if you use the warp zone. So you only really want to use it when you have an abundance of time. I, I was okay, at 400 like for so long. It was yeah. o- I only started running out when it was down to me and the one other guy. It was just like 10 minutes into this thing. And yeah. I, that was how I lost was I just ran out of time because it started ticking down super fast. And I was on one of those levels. Um, it was the, the one and two with the uh, the big like mushroom type platforms and everything. And there were a ton of Bowsers, just one after the other, and I couldn't, like, kill them or get past them yeah. fast enough. You know, so that actually happened to me where in one match I think I was, uh, like, fifth place or something, and I totally, you know, stood a real good shot at winning that thing until, like, I was on the, like, tall mushroom level, and there was a piranha plant on the very absolute edge of one of the platforms I needed to get on, and it was at such a height that there was no possible way to jump over it, so I was just fucked. Didn't have any coins for the item roulette? Nope. I was just fucked. Well, see, that's the thing. In my situation when I lost, um, I had, like, a ton of coins, and I just was sitting there rolling the roulette over and over, and it was just like... Here's a mushroom. Cool. Great. Uh, yeah. All I needed was a pow or a star or a fire flower or anything that's just like over and over. Here's some more mushrooms. But yeah, one of the ways I guess the game tries to mitigate having long matches is everybody has a timer and you build time by killing enemies. Uh, but the problem is, is, as you start to get more enemies on your screen and you just, you know, get a star or you hit a Koopa shell and just knock yeah. a whole row of them out, or you just have a fire flower and are constantly hitting fire on it, you build up time very, very, very quickly. A fire so flower does not give you time, much time. That, it, that's it like doesn't, one but, second each. Or but when you have second. like 20 enemies on the screen at once and you knock them all out in a couple seconds, you gain 10 seconds. Yeah. So point is like in the early game time is more of a consideration although you still shouldn't stress about it by the time you've kind of done a loop around maybe two or three times you have so much time that you don't have to worry about anything at all yeah so it's just like inching forward through the levels while killing everything yeah Uh, also i see no reason to select anything other than attackers because at least that way you're sending your enemies to multiple people at a time Yes. So I don't really know. I mean, it's what not. The point is it's not like that even. It's not like that even matters. Here's the thing that I like about Tetris Ninety Nine is when you knock somebody out, you feel it. Like they give you medals, which end up allowing you to build the garbage blocks that you send over to other players. So there's like an actual palpable reward that you get for knocking people out. There is kind of like, as far as the design goes it communicates to you very clearly that you knocked somebody out and mechanically the way that game is set up you knock people out fairly routinely if you're playing well in mario 35 i would play matches for half an hour and i would not knock a single person out and it wasn't for any lack of me like playing well or not 
defeating a ton of enemies to send over his junk to somebody. Like yeah. it would just the way that is structured is you don't really knock people out in that game. Someone is much more likely to die by falling down a pit than they are hitting a Goomba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that one that took forever that I finally timed out on. Uh, at one point, I was sending Goombas and whatever to like five people at once, and I got zero knockouts for that whole thing. Yeah. Like, especially if you were down to just you and one other person at that point, it's really a matter of who makes a mistake first, not necessarily yeah. who is, you know, we're just sending like, over the most crap. I mean, a lot of it's just down to luck, though, you know? Like, you get in a yeah. level like a Bowser castle or something, and it's like, a, it happened to spawn some Hammer Brothers and a Bowser and some Piranha Plants in one of those narrow hallways. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, as opposed to Tetris 99, when you get sent over junk, if you can play Tetris good, then you actually have a chance of digging your way out of it. Like, Tetris 99 is much better about actually rewarding skilled gameplay than Mario 35. Tetris 99, in general, feels a lot more fair and balanced to me than Mario 35, where, like you said, sometimes you just... some bullshit happens. Honestly, I really don't understand why they decided this was the way to go for Mario Battle Royale instead of just having it be time-based and like races to the end. Which, yeah, that's also what I assumed it was going to be. Because if you're also having to deal with a bunch of enemy junk on top of like you need to complete these four levels as fast as possible, then that actually, at that point, you start to have to be really skilled at Mario to win. Uh Instead, it's just... Oh, it's been 40 minutes and I'm on 1-1 for the 20th time. Yeah. Isn't this fun? It's so much fun. I have to play it before fucking March, before (laughs) they decide I've had enough fun. I feel like this should be... I feel like the way to structure this is that would be the same overall, except you don't get uh, time for killing enemies. Instead, it just sends them to other people. You you yes. get extra time from completing levels, and other than that, or or hear me out on this, or you get time from defeating enemies who were already present in the level to begin with, okay. as designed. You don't get them from junk enemies. Sure, that would work too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then uh, well, actually, even then, I don't know because I feel like the whole. The incentive for defeating the enemy should be that you're sending them to other players, not necessarily that it's getting you more time. I feel mm-hmm. like for time, you should just be trying to get to the end as fast as possible. What if it's also based on coin collection? Or if that gave you time to? I don't know. I feel like maybe coins should be like, if you have more coins, you send more enemies or something. Okay. There in general just seems like there is a much better way to structure this thing than what they came up with. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think the unfortunate thing about that is, again, it's only available until March, so what is the incentive really to fix what's not working there? Especially well, when you're in Nintendo and you're probably not going to really, you know, kind of fix anything to begin with. I wonder if that's part of the reason it's only available until March, because they know that it's not that great. Just like the Maybe. 3D All-Stars collection. <laughs> Distinct possibility. Yeah, Mario 35 is terrible. What score would you give Mario 35? Um, uh, a a 3.5 out of 10. 
I would give it four Goombas out of a total 35 Goombas. Mm. Uh, but then I would throw in a conciliatory Hammer Brothers. Uh, you know, tip of the hat, nice attempt. The idea of a of a Battle Royale Mario is intriguing. The execution, not good. Yeah. Like, I was excited for it when I heard about it. Then I played it. Yeah. Ugh. A uh, very similar experience as you seeing a Ferengi episode <laughs> pop up in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, so, ooh, Prophet and Lace, I wonder what this is about. Yeah. Alright, here we go, Star Trek segment. <laughs> Did you finish it? Oh, I finished it. Good. Uh, little Didn't bit get of any better. For this. In fact, it got worse. <laughs> I told you. Uh, a little bit of context for this. I had called you up and you were just like I'm watching I was watching this Star Trek episode and I had to fucking I did not bail about halfway through what? I did not say that word the fuck word? no no. Uh, <laughs> I said I'm watching Star Trek oh right I'm sorry I Idiot. forgot I and forgot. yes I had to bail uh, halfway through yeah you said you bailed halfway through, and you mentioned the episode was Profit and Lace, and I spent about the next ten minutes convincing you that actually you need to watch the rest of Profit and Lace, uh, because it is so spectacularly bad. It's truly awful. It is in many kind ways. of surreal. Yeah, so I think there's something to be said about how progressive Star Trek is most of the time, but there's still definitely stuff that Star Trek has kind of struggle to stick the landing on especially in the 90s in regards to gender identity and orientation mm. and this episode is maybe a pure distillation of everything that they could not get fucking right i mean you, that. so for example with jedzia dax they're trying to do something with the whole uh you know she's been yeah she's had multiple hosts and stuff uh, you know, uh, Cisco calls her old man, which is supposed to be endearing, although to me it's kind of strange, but whatever. Yeah. Um, although they do, they other, have that. They have other parts like the bit with the Klingon, yeah. who's just like, "Oh, you're a lady now. All right, cool." Um, oh, there was also the episode where the, the symbiotes they, if they were married in a previous life and they have now found new hosts, they are not supposed to reunite. And so there was that whole episode where. Uh, both symbiotes, yeah. Jadzia's, and her partner were now inside female hosts, but they still had a romantic connection, and the episode ended with a same-sex kiss. And I felt that generally that episode was pretty good about actually selling that. that like, you can right. tell that there are writers that, like, for that moment in time in the 90s, it, it felt like a really earnest attempt to try to do something with that. It, it feels like there were writers on that staff who understood that it was important to try to tell stories like that at that time, but that there was maybe somebody named Rick Berman who <laughs> kept showing up and fucking everything up. Also, it feels like maybe someone named Rick Berman would be the one who would uh, be like, and, the, and then we're going to have him kiss at the end. <laughs> you know, I want you to get real close on it. <laughs> you need to make the costume tighter. <laughs> Especially around the chest. Uh, yeah, it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like overall, it, it was a fairly nuanced p 
portrayal of it. Uh, and then you get to Profit yeah. and Lace. <laughs> the nuance gets fucking shot out of an airlock. So this this one, okay, I, I've been looking at the episode ratings on IMDb and usually skipping them if they're mm-hmm. below 7. But I watch all the Ferengi episodes because generally people seem down on them for reasons I don't quite understand because usually it's like, you know, they're they're good wacky fun. This one starts yeah. out pretty well. Um where so Granagus Zek comes to the station with uh Moogie, Quirk's mom, and turns out that she convinced him to institute a new law that says that females can wear clothes in public and Get profit, which mm. has so, le- which has led to Grand Nagus Zek being deposed, and now Brunt is the acting Grand Nagus, and this is all good. Yes. This is fun uh, stuff. I was like, I don't understand why people have such a problem with this. It's this good time so far. This this also actually importantly feeds into a running subplot with the Ferengis, which is basically the women's rights movement happening within the Ferengi culture. So the episode is not like, it's not a complete throwaway thing. Like if you still want to follow that plot, you kind of need to understand all the stuff that happens in Profit and Lace. And that's Mm. also a problem because it means you have to watch the episode. (laughs) Yeah. So everything's going fine there. You get Jeffrey Combs back as Brunt, which is always nice. Uh, He looks a little different here, which is strange. Like something about the makeup changed, I think. Um, and then they decide why uh-huh. I don't remember why no, they do it. What was the reasoning for what they do Moog- to Quark? I want to say Moogie somehow becomes oh, no, she she has a heart Moogie attack. Either becomes indisposed. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's and right. so so they need somebody to pose as Zek's new uh, advisor. Mm. And so. Th- and so they'd say, we're going to make Quark into a lady. Thanks for helping out, Bashir. Yeah, Bashir is there uh, dressed in a bizarre red outfit, uh, looking like one of Prince Zizor's Imperial Guards from Shadows of the Empire. Uh, not oh, yeah. sure why. By the way, Alexander Sadig um, directed this episode, so he's complicit. Uh, that's also probably why he shows up there. He also yeah well you so, have to have somebody do the surgery and it's already been well established in Deep Space Nine lore that whenever you need like massive gruesome plastic surgery done Bashir is your man. I mean he he uh, undid that Cardassian surgery they did to Kira that time so he's he also good turned Cisco uh, Odo who at the time was not a shapeshifter uh, into Klingons to uh, yeah, do an infiltration mission. That, that's true. So, yeah. Anyway. Hey, you know, plastic surgery in Star Trek is like kind of hey, whatever. Um, yeah, you can just undo but then, you know, it whenever. Molly gets, but then Molly gets aged up and goes insane, and they can't fix that. So. <laughs> no, well, we'll talk about that episode after yeah. this. I guess we might as well because well, this is a real double whammy yeah. of crap episodes. There's also I have to do a retro game corner, so maybe we save that for next week. No, it'll be fine. Okay, so, fine. They turn Quark into a lady. And yeah, he, uh, I'm sure just do. I'm just gonna say he For the purposes 
of this conversation here i guess yeah i think that's fair because the thing about female quark is that quark is not actually making a permanent gender change quark has not necessarily actually changed his gender identity he is doing this strictly for utilitarian purposes uh, he's yeah. trying to pull one over on someone and this is part of why this episode is a problem <laughs> yeah well not it only that like it just treats sex change like this is just some fun thing that you could do kind of whenever you want and, and not just that but it it seems okay they apparently did not change his genitals it seems like it was mostly yeah. just it seems like it was mostly just his face and chest area that they yeah. changed and for some reason Cork looks really swole here and I don't know what the deal with that is if they did that to like make it funny post-operative inflammation uh, and yet it also seems like it makes him hormonal because I... there are bits where he's just like yeah. oh do, do my hips look big in this and <laughs> he like starts crying at one point and you know, like how women act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. This is the I, worst episode on. of Star Trek. I want to back up a second because in this phone conversation that resulted in me convincing you to watch all this for the purpose of this podcast, you were like, I'm not sure whether or not they kept his junk and I had to hold my tongue and just be like, you need to go back and finish watching the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's almost, it's like, like you said, in Metal Gear Solid 2, the president grabbing his crotch. <laughs> You're a man? Oh. <laughs> There's also, we completely blew past the opening of this episode, which I also think is really noteworthy, because Quark is especially rapey at oh, the start of this. He yeah. is... He's formed this new contract for one of the Davo girls that basically has a stipulation that the Davo girl, if she wants to keep her job also needs to have sex with Quark pretty much on the regular. Well, do Umox, or it's, which... It's, it's Umox, but might as again, well be. a fringy version of getting jacked off. When yeah. Regis Philbin gave Quark <laughs> Umox, yeah. he was performing a sex act on TV. That's right. And and here's the thing about Quark. Quark knew it. Regis did not. Yeah. And so this episode is still very much in Quark's character. And and so that's a weird uh, thing. That's something they kind of abandoned with Quirk. Like that happened fairly early on. There was talk until they like... decided to do an episode <laughs> about the nuanced subject of gender change. Yeah, they're like, well, because... Quirk needs to be rapey again. Because there's that bit early on where he gets called into, uh, or I don't think he gets called into the office, but one of the Dabo girls goes to Cisco's office and it's like, hey, he's making us sign this thing. It says we gotta yeah. do sexy stuff with him. And... Uh, like that I think is pre-beard Cisco so that's like season 2 or so um, yeah uh, there's also I kind of want to back up to something I said too this episode isn't actually about gender change it is more about uh, feminism and women's rights and their say at the table when it comes to you know what is perhaps viewed as a men's world uh, which is the way that they frame a lot of this Ferengi stuff and so they're not trying to actually say anything about gender identity. The problem with the episode is they say some really bad stuff about gender identity. Yeah. Whether or not it was the intention to. Yeah. 
Yeah, like it's, and they it's say some just bad side stuff effect. about women too. Mm. Yeah, but but even the stuff of just like Quirk is constantly hormonal is still pretty offensive too. Like the way women act. Mm. Boy, I hated it. So anyway, Quirk ends up uh, kind of catching up past where you and I had had last discussed this episode in private. Quirk uh, basically has to take to dinner this. Um, isn't it like a, a senator or something like that that the Grand Nagus is trying to win the support over? Because if the uh, Nagus has more support, then the Nagus may be able to return to Ferenganar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so basically, because so there, female there is a really good to sit down. And she has she Cork <laughs> has to like prove that women understand finances too, even though even even fucking though it's a ruse. An actual woman is not making the point that women on Ferenginar are just as good and capable of finances as men. Because again, Quark is not actually changing his identity. Quark is still Quark. And By also, the end of the, of the day, Quark wants to be a man. I'll say there's also a good bit before all this where they're calling up people to try to get them to come to this meeting. Uh, and uh, it's like, it's Quark, Ram, and Nog all like, Phone banking for Z- uh, Grand Nagus Zek, basically, and in almost all of them, they'll get to a point where they're like, "What? No, not Brunt, Zek. Hello, hello." Yeah. Or like, "Who said he was dead?" and stuff. And I was like, "Okay, that this is all fun. That's before the stuff happens." Oh God! Like, I think that that is really the thing that kind of upsets me about the episode, too, is, is again, it's not like Quirk is pulling a ruse, nothing about it is genuine, and so ultimately, women on Ferriganar did not actually stand up for their rights. They did yeah. not make that point. They did not win the day. It was fucking Quirk under the guise of being a woman. Yeah. yeah. Which is fucked up for a bunch of different reasons. Anyway, uh, uh, the other guy but, gets but real horny also... for Quark. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he wants to fuck the shit out of Quark. That that uh, Frankie, by the way, played by the guy who was the uh, creepo doctor in the Long Goodbye, which is interesting. Sure, perfect. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he takes Quark back to uh, his quarters. It might have actually been Quark's quarters. I don't know. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Uh, and basically, just wants to hump the shit out of Quark. Oh, also they name, they give Quirk the name L- Lumbox or something. Lumbox, yeah. Because because he lumbers around, get it? Hilarious. He doesn't know how to walk around in heels. He ain't no lady. Rom does. He looks like a lady. Rom shows off how to sashay. That was the point when yep. I decided I wasn't going to watch this episode anymore <laughs> until you convinced they... me otherwise. They uh This also reminds me of that episode where they had that female Ferengi who dressed up as a dude and went with Quark on that like diplomatic mission and yeah. then revealed at the end of the episode, like actually I'm a chick and I'm way into you. Uh-huh. And like how this is not necessarily a new thing of like <sighs> No, but that that was actually that was making a point about the status of females in Fringy society sure. though like she was yes. dressing as a guy so she would be able to make profit uh yeah. and also that was, showed that, that she was, was just better. as capable as yeah. a male in the society 
Uh, also, that episode that I think was the first it. one they ever mentioned the Dominion in. Weirdly, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that like that was handled a lot better than yeah than this was. Uh, because yeah, again, by the end of the episode, it's still like you know. Oh God, I, mean, I don't know. It's this one is so rough. But yeah, like uh, the guy gets horny for a quirk, and then uh, Brunt shows up and is just like, "That's not a man, baby." <laughs> And tries to pull Quirk's wig uh, off. Other way around. That's not a lady, that's a man, baby. That's but not yeah. a lady, that's a man, baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> this episode has me very confused. Yeah. Uh, I'm very confused yeah, why so they decided like, to air it, but... But this is, like, actually the worst part of the episode, because don't they, like, doesn't Quirk flash them or something to prove that Quirk is actually a woman? Yeah. Isn't like, he yeah, just t- like... Take a look at I'm these yabos. Yeah, take a look at these puppies. And yeah. then Brunt and the other guy are like, Hunga Munga, Daddy Likey. <laughs> Mommy Milky. <laughs> God damn it. What a terrible episode. Uh, so this ends up, it, this ends in success for uh, the women of Ferenganar who did absolutely nothing to. <laughs> advance their standing in society instead relying on Quirk who again identifies male desires to be male and returns to being male uh, but then they try to make the point at the end of the episode that being hormonal for a while has maybe taught Quirk a lesson uh, because the Davo girl from the start of the episode shows up and is just like hey I was looking over this contract and I'm fucking into it man and then Quirk's just like whoa wait a second <laughs> I see now that this was wrong and, like, this also bugs the shit out of me that apparently the point it made at the start of the episode was, this is wrong, this is uncomfortable. And then that character at the end of the episode is just like, but actually I'm totally fucking cool with jacking you off to make more money. Yeah. What the fuck? <sighs> this episode <sighs> is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Following that, we also, have... Like- Time's Orphan, another terrible episode for a different reason. This is uh, one that back when I watched it, I found it remarkable how... So there's the the running thing of O'Brien must suffer. Uh, yeah. It's a, a trope in of itself. Uh, fairly, fairly well documented. But this one was just like the episode description is like, Molly falls down a fucking vortex, man. <laughs> and so it's just like... <laughs> The most upfront about, like, O'Brien's going to have a bad time in this episode. Yeah. Uh, well, so, th- thankfully, it turns out not as bad of a time as he could have had if he had followed through with his original plan a little bit quicker. Um, so, okay. Molly, Keiko, and O'Brien, Miles, are all on a picnic on nondescript planet. And... Uh, just sort of looks like random exterior from kind of looks like that place in a uh, Star Trek Insurrection. They I they think? found a nice California State Park to <laughs> yeah. film this episode in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, there are mountains, so I don't know. It might be California's mountainous. What are Is you it? talking about? I don't know. Yeah. Not, I've never been to California. Eh? There's there's I know a city slicker. There's a lot of hills, and then the further east you get in California, there's there's more mountain coverage. So, okay, well, yeah, great, sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, they're in a park, and 
You know, our build just... was east of the Rockies, so there is a west of the Rockies. Oh uh, yeah, I know that was the other line. Uh, but, <laughs> just so but you know. I, yes, but I, I was thinking that was like east of California. Um, I mean, yeah, it's on the eastern side of California, but uh, you whatever. Still, look, whatever. There's mountains near California. And John Denver was full of, of shit. California. Uh, yeah. So, okay. They just, like, don't pay attention to Molly because they're too busy paying attention to Yoshi, uh, their new favorite child. And Molly <laughs> runs off into some ruins and falls in a hole. Uh, it turns out this is a time vortex. And she was sent back 300 years? Something when, like that. Yeah. When this area was completely uninhabited. Uh, and so Molly, despite not being able to put a bracelet on herself, uh, apparently survives for 10 years. She pops back out and is 18 years feral. old. Feral. Yes, and feral. Uh, apparently that's enough time to completely forget what her parents looked like and also how to talk. Um I need to find the image I have of O'Brien at the edge of the like you know the the rocky area where the vortex is and then Molly just screaming as she falls down into it and we just need to make that the episode thumbnail. <laughs> okay. So I will look for that when we're done recording so, this, but So anyway, a lot of this episode is them just trying to deal with a cave Molly. And get her to yeah. remember who they are and everything And So they make progress in it That's kind of the Very weird slowly, thing Very slowly yeah, yeah. Uh, So But the main problem comes when She freaks out at one point uh, Because they were using a hollow suite Of that area they were in When she disappeared uh, Because she wants wide open spaces Like uh, Tom Petty And then they turn off the hollow suite because some Klingons want in there to reenact some carnage. I don't give and, a shit about your dumb broken kid. That's right. And they got to fight. So, yeah, apparently Quark doesn't have too many hollow suites, I guess, because he couldn't just direct them to another one. <laughs> I still, I look. This is besides the point, but it still reminds me of like a much earlier episode where they have to fuck around with like the actual hollow suite matrix and it's just all held together with like duct tape and tongue compressors. Like the thing is completely falling apart and that ROM, despite having basically no equipment to actually fix it, has managed to keep the thing running efficiently, uh-huh. like efficiently enough for what he has. And so, yeah, anytime there is like hollow suites involved and Quark going like, I don't got many hollow suites. I'm just reminded of it's well established that Quark is cutting a lot of corners with that stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, of course, Anytime a hollow deck or a hollow suite is involved, it does always bother me how those rooms are not that big. And so, like, what's going yeah. on? Like, how, especially considering Cave Molly's whole thing is like running around in large areas, like, how's that happening? But, like, whatever. Suspend yeah. your disbelief. It, you know, it's sci fi stuff. How come Data is actually Sherlock Holmes? I don't understand and I don't like it. Do. Do they put on clothes before? Well, yeah, they do put on clothes before they go in the holodeck. Yeah. Um, D Space Nine well establishes that people just have wardrobes full of costumes yeah. to use in hollow suite programs. Yeah, because O'Brien and Bashir will just like come out dressed like World War II oh, fighter God. pilots. They just open up their closet and it's like Roger the Alien's fucking wardrobe. <laughs> just. <laughs> yeah, something for every occasion. Exactly. I mean, really, they could just. Fabricate it 
with a replicator. Yeah. Is it really that different from us buying charging cradles for our PlayStation controllers? Like, this is their version of video games, and the investment they're making on peripherals is a fighter jacket. I guess so. I mean, they are in a post-currency society, though. Yeah, they could probably just find, like, a replicator program for that jacket and spin yeah, it out. that's what I'm saying. I just use a replicator. Yeah. Um, anyway... So Molly freaks out, runs into Quirks, just stabs a dude with a broken bottle, <laughs> which is the best part of this whole episode. Like, she does not give a fuck. This guy goes up to her and she just is like, hey, check this out. And just stabs him right in the gut. Anyway, Molly's in jail now. <laughs> yeah, they put... They, gotta they lock her up. They throw Molly in jail. Uh, and Cisco's like, oh, that other dude, he, he's pressing charges. Uh, or no, Odo says it. Um, and so he's like, "Well, sorry, like she's probably gonna go to jail forever, at least to a nut house or something." Um, and so, despite her making progress this whole time, and Starfleet having access to magic brain science, considering they were able to get Cisco out of his uh, like nineteen forties hallucination, and they're they're well, always super inconsistent about this though too, because you have the the uh, other. So genetically engineered humans is a huge taboo in Star Trek because Khan, maybe you've heard of him, he kind of fucked everything up for everybody with uh -huh. that. Uh, Bashir is genetically engineered, though, and he's a, you know, he's not insane. He's a normal dude. Uh, he's a good doctor, and he's a great guy, uh, except for when he directs very problematic episodes. <laughs> um, well, he didn't write it, so... He's still responsible to, to I, an alarming degree. To, to um, go back but, to that real quick, uh -huh. I read on Memory Alpha that he tried to direct that episode much more serious than it ended up being. And okay. I want to know how what that would have looked like with the same script. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. The, the script was exactly the same, but the direction was different. Man. Also, Armin Shimmerman was yeah, apparently furious with that script, which I... Because sure, which he should be. Yes, but it's like specifically because Quark did not learn anything from the whole thing. Yeah. I want to, since you bring it up, I kind of wanted to get back to to that for a moment. What what I think is like really kind of the, the core of what is wrong with that episode is it, back in the 90s, people didn't really consider or discuss gender identity the way that they do now. And yeah. so, to a certain degree, when you have an episode that ends up waiting in that territory, intentional or otherwise, and it gets it so horrendously wrong, in the 90s, I think there is some degree you can look at that and say, well, they didn't understand, the conversation wasn't really happening, this is why they completely misstepped on this. It's still bad, it's still a problem. Yeah, on some versus level... Versus if they, if they did it now, today... It would be even worse Yeah, on some level An episode like that in the 90s it, that That's kind of like getting mad at a dog For peeing on the carpet It doesn't know any better Yes, but Part of the, the, a, huge, a huge component of that episode and, and again, what the episode was really trying To be about, which is Women's rights and women's say It still manages to completely Fuck that up oh, And yeah. that is something that had been well discussed Leading up to that point, that was still being discussed and fought for in the '90s, and it's still just completely like, with all the grace of the Kool Aid Man, busting through a wall. 
well, and, and as mentioned, tripping and shattering himself on the floor. A topic they already explored better in another episode. Yeah, in in multiple well, yeah. episodes, honestly. Because the other one um, where uh, like where Moogie first appears and turns yeah. out she's been making profit, and they have to work around that. And yeah, yeah. I, and I get uh, part of why I wanted to get back to that is I I don't like I hope that I inadvertently have not said anything offensive when it in regards to you know gender identity and, and stuff like that because i get it's it's very complicated and it's a very important subject and trying to have that discussion around one of the worst episodes of star trek that also tries to come off as a haha comedy episode yeah. is fraught with peril mm. um so you know I, again a, a big part of the problem with the identity issue in that episode is, is again like you said quark ultimately learns nothing because quark at no point in time during that episode has ever genuinely dedicated himself to anything other than being who he is yeah like at at that point it is essentially just a a super high-tech version of putting a dress on like, yes it, it's, it is a even though they do the whole plastic surgery makeover and everything like he's He's not actually changing anything about himself. It is adjacent to Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. Also in the sense that for some reason he gets more swole when he is alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Quark's uh-huh. boobs do not get set on fire at any point. No. No. It would have been it would have been a better episode if it had. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like at the end of at the end of that episode, it, it it tries to kind of push across that maybe Quark has learned something because they bring the Dabo girl back, but even then it's they make a point of saying this is like residual hormones from the temporary sex change we yeah. gave you because you know that's a thing you'd be really flippant about mm-hmm. god that episode it i know we're talking about the molly one now but it's hard to kind of get away from that thing because it is really just mind-bogglingly bad yeah Back to the uh, Times <sighs> Orphan so yes. they they have this brain science that they can do and my suggestion is if i was in this situation erase the last 10 years of her memory it'll be weird to her Mm -hmm. because she'll be in an older body but it would revert her mind back to before she went through the portal she'll still be able to relearn everything like she'll be developmentally like slowed you know obviously but yeah it would still bring her back like they can erase memory they've done that before It's a it's a thing that they can do. So I I had kind of gotten away from my point with the genetically engineered thing, which is that there is also a group of other genetically engineered humans at Starfleet, but their genetic operation whatever did not go as smoothly as Bashir's. So they all have weird quirks with them. So like you have the one guy who's he's, he's constantly got like this tick to him, and he seems like sort of sociopathic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the one who is mute. You have the guy who is, uh, you know, the savant, but he's very reserved and kind of shut off and meek. And then you have the one lady who's just like horny. Is her yeah. problem? Yeah, the one who was the bad guy in Power Rangers Turbo. Hell yeah! Have mm. you got to the episode where she is like in a relationship with Nog? No. Okay, I, I think what? that that is all in her head. Yeah. So they get they end up getting brought back to Starfleet or to Deep Space Nine rather. Uh, and Nog is her escort, and so you—I I think like you don't actually see Nog in the episode, but she is now infatuated with Nog and insists that they are a couple. And I took it as she just latched on to Nog, and Nog is like actually not in a relationship with her. 
but like it has a scene where it cuts to their room and she's just looking wistfully at this data pad with Nog's face on it. <laughs> she was doing that <laughs> in that first episode really too. It, it wasn't of Nog, I think, but someone else. Like she was just looking at a data yeah. pad with them on, and being like, "Ooh." Yeah, but uh, there's something really funny about just like stone-faced Nog. <laughs> like this is just his Starfleet file. Yeah. Um, um, although, also, it would not surprise me because remember there was that part where it just like offhandedly mentioned that Jake was dating a Dabo girl. Even though Jake was oh, like God, right. a child, he's like fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but but the reason I brought all that stuff up is to kind of highlight the inconsistency with medical science in the Star Trek universe because they, you would think that they could just fix like the stuff that is has maybe you know the wires that got crossed in their brains during the genetic operation that they might be able to just untangle that and fix them. Yeah. To a degree, they do. Because the one who is mute, and this happens in an episode you've not gotten to yet, so I'm sorry for spoiling this, but they reverse that. Like, okay. Bashir is able to help her. She begins to function more. She becomes more sociable. She's no longer mute. There's stuff where she begins to regress with that, but it's a ruse. She is ultimately cured of her ailment. So they could fix these people. Yeah. Just like they could probably fix Molly, because hers is not the same thing. Hers is a learned behavior. Yeah, and there was the episode where O'Brien went to fucking mind prison, yep. and they even brought up the fact that like we can undo this. Yep, we that's, have the technology. That's what I was gonna say. Like they've talked specifically about erasing memories in the past because of that yeah. episode. It's just it's like if Seinfeld had cell phones, it would fuck everything up. So in Star Trek, they just have to conveniently forget all this medical science that they have. Yeah. So anyway. O'Brien is like, well, okay, they're just going to, to put her in asylum for the rest of her life, I guess. He just kind of resigns himself to that for some reason. Or we can put her back through the portal so she can live the rest of her life <laughs> in isolation on an uninhabited planet because she'll be happy there. And then we'll also destroy the portal just to make sure she can't come back out. God. All, again, all this, despite showing that they have, even so, been making progress. She's been talking and recognizing, like, her doll and everything. So she's getting there anyway without, like, brain science happening. Anyway, they just send her through the portal. And it turns out young Molly is also there, who apparently had just come through it, I guess. Uh, and yeah, like the time doesn't quite line up. They don't send her back to the precise moment that they drew her back out of the vortex. Yeah. They end up dropping her off at the near enough to the same precise moment of time that Molly first entered it. Yeah, there's like some weird time loop stuff happening here. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they mentioned too that like they can summon the vortex back up, but part of the problem with trying to draw Molly out to begin with is it's virtually impossible to open the vortex again and have it be the same moment in time. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Which is why they give up instead of pulling out like 20 different mollies, which I think would have been hilarious. Yes. Get 12 of them, make new cheaper by the dozen, but with mollies. There's just a bunch of this woman who's like green screened in, just 20 different mollies jumping between trees and stuff, and O'Brien's just frustrated. I, I imagine it's like that scene with Kirk and the Tribbles, but it's O'Brien surrounded by a ton of mollies. Oh, that'd be great, yeah. Anyway. They open up a vent and a bunch of mollies fall out of it. Yeah. Uh, cave Molly uh, 
recognizes young Molly and sends her back through the portal, which then makes Cave Molly disappear, uh, like in Looper. Yeah. And so that's fine. It's all fine. Young Molly's back. The end. Everything works out in the end. So Although it would have been funny if, like, technically the Klingon still had claimed to prosecute child Molly because she is the same person, (laughs) so a child Molly goes to jail. It would be really good. So then O'Brien's got this other problem where 20 years later Molly gets out of jail and now she's also, like, feral but in a different way. (laughs) Yeah, it's like uh, she was living in an animal factory. She's bald like Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. She's got a teardrop tattoo under her eye. Uh Uh-huh. She shaved her eyebrows off. So that's why I say this isn't really a true O'Brien must suffer episode. Because if it had ended with him like just sending her back through the portal and destroying it and that's it, then it would have been. Uh, but ultimately nothing really changed. I'm a little surprised by the restraint and not going with that ending, considering all the other stuff that they've put O'Brien through. I kind of thought they would do it just because they have the other baby now. It would just be like, well, yeah. they have a backup. You know about that from when we played Crusader Kings. <laughs> relationship with my child ended. <laughs> Starting new relationship with other better child. Yeah. Friendship uh, with Jesus ended. Jesus too <laughs> is my new best friend. I mean, look, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, and I had to capture your child Jesus and execute him. That's just how it goes. <laughs> I still like that I had another kid named Backup Jesus that I totally <laughs> forgot about. <laughs> yeah. Because there's so many menus in that game I couldn't keep track of shit. I had a daughter at some point and she ended up getting like afflicted with some sort of horrible disease. And so I like appointed my sister as like the chief medical expert in my kingdom, even though she had no background in medical science. And somehow she actually cured her. And then my daughter got captured and went to jail anyway. Cool. Like I... I never got her back out of jail. I literally forgot that my daughter was in jail, and then, like, towards the end of us playing, I remember. It was like, well, I guess I'm done for the night, so. Good times. Yeah. God, anyway, that, um, that was a Deep Space Nine discussion. <laughs> I can't wait for you to finish Deep Space Nine, because I think what we're going to do is we're going to each pick our top favorite episodes and just kind of talk about them. But I already yeah. know that there's one coming up, uh, that I think is just a really, really good episode that has a good O'Brien and Bashir uh, team-up where they have to get information from somebody, but the person they need information from basically like takes a cyanide pill and is going into like brain death, so they have to do Inception on him and like yeah. enter into a subconscious while it's breaking apart around them and okay. talk to like these different versions of this guy that exists within his own mind. It's incredibly good. And I'm really excited for you to get to that episode. Well, I will at some point. I will say they're uh, really fumbling here in the final stretch of season six. I don't know what happened, if there was gas leak in the writer's room or what. But (laughs) this, that one with the the hollow Frank Sinatra giving advice to Odo. He he comes up so much. Uh, through the rest of it, you got like maybe five or six more episodes that are about him. Oh no! Yeah, there, there's a lot. There is a heist episode involving him that is actually okay. pretty decent. That's the one that I had sent you. Where uh, there, so obviously Cisco's gone through this whole thing of kind of going in the past and experiencing racism, 
because racism is largely overcome by you know the, the point of when Star Trek takes place in general yeah. it's not actually because there's still like you know they're calling cardassians spoonheads and stuff well, like that so racism is still human a thing. racism racism yeah racism as we perceive it in our society in modern day has been vanquished but yeah um, like there's that bit where o'brien's like i don't trust cardassian they had all the yeah, kindness bred out of them yeah it's more speciesism but yeah. they still use it as a means to kind of address the racism that you know is faced in modern society through the lens of star trek but uh cisco now understands racism as racism is uh and so when they're doing this whole vic fontaine thing they want to loop cisco and he's just like fuck no like vegas at that point in time was incredibly racist i'm not going to go into that fantasy and entertain this whitewashed version of things where black people are treated as equals which was not true and authentic to that time Right, uh, but he does it anyway, and so there's this little bit where they try to show you that no, it has not been completely whitewashed because Bashir's playing poker, and he looks at his hand, and the hand he has is eighty-eight KKK. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they fumble a lot in the final few seasons. <laughs> A lot of peaks and valleys, much like California. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I insist you should watch everything because I think like in those final seasons when it actually hits low points, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I went with it because at this point there are so few like badly rated episodes. That I thought like, well, at least they'll make the good episodes look even better in comparison. Yeah. You kind of just got to stick it out at this point. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, to start wrapping up this episode, talk about uh, some retro games. Retro uh, corner. I, that's right. It's Spooktober. This is a thing that we did last year where I'm only going to talk about spooky games for the entire month. And unfortunately, I am behind schedule. Uh, so what I wanted to talk about last week was... Uh, oh, God, why am I blanking on the name of it? TurboGrafx-16 game Splatterhouse. Yeah. Is what I wanted to talk about, along with Echo the Dolphin, which is... Yeah, when you think about it, a certain kind of horror. Oh, sure. It's really bad. Especially the end. Uh, like, yeah, actually. But we ain't got time for that shit, so I'll revisit those games at some point in the future. Instead, I want to talk to you about Tomb Raider and the Dino Crises. Uh, and first off with Tomb Raider, uh, I will say today? that the promise of Flesh Atlantis... Flesh Atlantis sucks. Oh yeah, I'm a little I'm a little mad that I got convinced to play this game on the promise of Flesh Atlantis. Well, I didn't say you should play it. You guys said Flesh Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, so we said Flesh Atlantis. <laughs> you you gotta admit though, like that that's a weird turn that it takes at the end. Like that was the whole point. Is that yeah. Uncharted? The whole thing of uh, the supernatural twist at the end was directly from Tomb Raider. Yeah. Uh... So the thing with Tomb Raider and the reason why I'm lumping it into Spooktober is I think that that game actually has a very kind of spooky atmosphere to it. There yeah. is not a lot of music in it. It's a lot of just very ambient sounds. Uh, occasionally also, music will kick in, but when it does kick in, there's a certain like lonely quality to that music. Also, the low draw distance means a lot of just like black voids. 
walking yes. through. Uh, but yeah, like it, so far into the game, it gets into the whole like Atlantean society that fell because there was uh, some woman in it who's the, the main villain that you face. She's basically immortal. Uh, got into unethical science and began doing genetic experiments uh, to force evolution or something like that. And basically it just meant creating like disgusting flesh mummies. Mm -hmm. These like tall lanky guys that like they have wrappings on them, but they have no skin under yeah. there. And when you shoot them off, they literally explode. Yeah. And they like run at you on all fours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, They're genuinely creepy. You can hear them off in the distance at times, and then it gets back into that sound design that is actually really good. Uh, and then, yeah, when you get to the end of the game, it, it's, again, it's Flesh Atlantis. You're in a, basically in the bowels of some sort of living thing. It, it gets somewhat H.R. Giger at the mm -hmm. end of that game. Yeah. Uh, but, my, but it's also, it's not fun to play. Oh, no. It's such a bad game. It it has survival horror controls. It has tank controls because at, at that point in time, people were still really trying to wrap their heads around like how does a game control in three D? Yeah, and tank controls is kind of what everybody was settling on very early in. Well, this is why I, I described to you that it it's basically functioning like a flashback or out of this world or something, but in three yeah. D, where it's you know step to the right, move forward, step to the left, shimmy a little bit to left, line up, then you yeah. jump. Pull yourself Two up. Two stomps this time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a known defender of tank controls. We have been down this road before where I think that they work in survival horror games. I think that is part of what makes the survival horror experience what it is. The difference is in Silent Hill, I'm not solving jumping puzzles. I'm not playing it like a platformer. And yeah. so like those controls are serviceable for what that game is. In Tomb Raider, it is infuriating because so much of that game is jumping over pits that if you fall into, you're dead and you're going to have to lose a bunch of your progress. And you have to wrestle with these really stiff controls to make these jumps. And I, in, in a flashback, something like that works on a 2D plane. When you get into the third dimension, it becomes a lot more difficult to suss out the trajectory you need to take, the speed you need to take, it gets really imprecise and infuriating. Yeah. Uh, it does not help that enemies move really, really fast, too. And so combat also feels terrible. Really bad swimming segments, too. Like, that, that <sighs> I think, is the game yeah. that made me hate water levels. There's so much of it, too. Yeah. Like, it, just about every level has you going underwater for something. Uh, yeah. But then that second area the um the roman area has that level where it is strictly a water level with like the big large you know you have this hub room where you have to affect the water level um mm. which water levels in games are bad enough but when yeah. you get a water level where you actually have to impact the, the you have to rise and lower water even worse put on the iron boots uh -huh. that level has you going and i believe it's you have to pick up or you have to flip four different things in particular uh and no, you have to pick up four different things and i had missed one of them and so i spent probably about 40 minutes constantly doing loops around the level trying to figure out how the fuck i even get the last thing 
So that was not fun. Yeah, I think the only reason I saw the end of Tomb Raider was from cheats. I did not play all the way through that game. There is very hopefully a level skip cheat that yeah. you can do in the menu. So I didn't uh, remember if I'm... it was like a skip or if it was a level select you could get to, but I know I did not play all the way through it. Did not play all the way through any of them, but I saw the end of all of them because they get wild. <laughs> Uh, it's a actual skip. You go into the pause menu and you input a command, but you do have a level select as well. Uh, okay. So skipping the levels will add it to the level select scroll. Um, but yeah, uh, I ended up removing Tomb Raider 2 and 3 from the list because talking to you, apparently I have experienced all of the early Tomb Raiders since they do not vary pretty much at all. Nope. Other than you don't really get good places like Flesh Atlantis anymore. Like the second is just... Running around city streets and stuff, and that's a bummer. Well, so the end of two, you enter like another, I don't know if it's another dimension or like a magic world or something, but it's like a, it's Chinese inspired stuff, and you fight a giant dragon. That's the end boss of two. See, it still doesn't sound spooky in the way that I want. Uh, well, no, it's know? not. Well, in three, you go to, oh, it's Antarctica, because it's clearly like the thing inspired. Um, and this guy like turns into a spider monster, so that's oh. a l- a little bit more spooky. I don't I'm, remember I what's. Have to look up a video of that. I don't remember what's at the end of four or five, but well, they're all basically the same game, gameplay wise. None of them have Jesus though. Uh, no. So the remake trilogy is superior. Oh yeah, I mean Shadow not as good as the <laughs> yeah. first two, but infinitely still... more playable. Oh yeah, yeah. A large margin. So I would, I would give uh, you know, get the dual pistols, twenty four rounds of ammunition between them. I would probably give Tomb Raider a, uh, a five, five lead pieces out of a total twenty four. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then I would also warn that the promise of Flesh Atlantis is is, uh, you know, not what I was expecting. Don't let that sucker you in. You sure about that? I feel like it would be. Atlantis. I feel like it would be exactly what you were expecting. It's just the game it's, itself. It's just. It's just not, not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's not worth playing all the game that you have to play to get up to that point. Just don't no. do it. Just look up some videos, or just you know, it's like two dollars and twenty nine cents right now for the entire trilogy off of GOG, and the PC version is superior to the PlayStation version, obviously. Obviously. Uh, okay. It's, the graphical fidelity is way better, and it is very important in Tomb Raider because part of the problem I had with that game is figuring out where to where to fucking go when everything has the same garbage texture. I feel like you're missing a lot in Tomb Raider without seeing all those swimming vertices, just like sure. the textures warping around and everything. I think that's integral to the Tomb Raider experience. I suppose, but there were a lot of times where I didn't realize I was supposed to climb up on something or jump over to something because everything just blends together. Well, sure. There, There is not a lot of different, te- there's not much texture variety in Tomb Raider. Uh, but on the PC, like I've, I've looked at that game, uh, I've watched some videos of it, and it is a lot more, you know, you're able to discern where you're going a lot better in that thing because there's uh, texture quality is better. Well, sure. Um. Anyway, point is, you really wanted to experience it, you pay $2.29 and just put in the level skip cheat and get to Flesh Atlantis. But 
I don't know. I wouldn't recommend it. Dino Crisis, on the other hand. You also, also wouldn't, wouldn't recommend. recommend. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm a known defender of survival horror games <laughs> and tank controls. Um, Dino Crisis is uh, very much in the vein of a Resident Evil. It's structured precisely like that, uh, except for like um, there's no like magic item chests. You have these uh, different uh, boxes on the wall that you can open up using plugs, which you only get so many of in, in the game. Basically, your your ink ribbons. Uh, and you can exchange items between those, but items will exist statically in that location. So if you drop your grenade launcher off in one level and you play the rest of the game, you're not getting your grenade launcher back unless you go all the way back. Messed up. Uh, it is. Uh, but that's the way Resident Evil was originally designed. The whole Magic Item Box thing was in the like enhanced edition, and that's how it came over here in America. Yeah. Um, I think. Am I remembering that right? I don't know. Might need to look that up again. But I remember that it's not like a consistent thing either for the original Resident Evil. Um, it's I like the like... hardcore mode or whatever that we have now is is based on not having those be magical. I feel like maybe that was not in the original version. It was maybe in the director's cut thing. That's what I think. Because um, they also took off like auto-aim uh... in our version of it. I don't know. To to curb to curb rentals, they removed auto aim. I remember because mm. uh, there is auto aim in Dino Crisis, thankfully, which is important because those dinosaurs fucking move, man. And they take a lot of hits. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And ammo is. I I think I had a much more difficult time with ammo conservation in this than I ever have in any of the Resident Evil games. Yeah. Uh, but. Like so, my problem with Dino Crisis is the puzzles are just—it's a thinking man's Resident Evil. Like these puzzles actually require a bit more brain power than just find eagle key, put in eagle hole. Yeah. Like there's a lot of to even open doors. It is this thing of like, okay, you have like a number pad. And then you have a bunch of numbers in the key area, and then the key area tells you what numbers you need to drop out of the code. So you need to like match the key to the hint and drop those numbers out, and then that is the code that you put in. But then like halfway through the game, they augment it. So it's like now you have a second key, and the second key means any numbers on this row of this section of the key, like you don't use that. And it gets like really confusing <laughs> at a certain point. Uh, so probably like three-fourths of the way into the game, I just kind of got sick of fucking around in that and just looked up what the codes were. This suddenly uh, makes a certain amount of sense why you refuse to play any of the Zero Escape games. Yes, I probably would hate those for this reason. Uh, but there's a lot of like, you need to move crates around too with like, uh, you you know, use a mechanical arm and you need to, need to enter the right combination to move the crates around. And if you fuck that up, you need to reset the whole puzzle and do it again. Like a lot of the puzzles in the game are just very dull and very complicated and they take a lot of time to the point that Dino Crisis is not so much a game about actually dealing with a dinosaur crisis as it is just fucking around with a lot of computers and occasionally a velociraptor shows up to see what you're doing. Imagining Lionel Hutz with his card saying like, Dino Crisis? No, it's Die! No Crisis! <laughs> uh, it's a printing error. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, God, it, it's just a lot of that game is just very dull. The, the puzzles are very boring. Uh, there's a lot of reusing the same puzzles over and over again, too. Uh, and then just, you know, making them harder each time, which I also just, I don't find fun. If I didn't like the box moving puzzle the first time, I'm not going to like it the subsequent two times I have to do it, man. Yeah, yeah. It's a boring game. The the final battle with the T Rexes is, is so fucking easy too. They they tease you with the T Rex the entire game. You it's know, like, it's like Knuckles. It's like how Knuckles keeps showing up and he keeps being a dick to you, and then yeah. when you finally fight him, he's just you push him over. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Like credit to Capcom that that game has a legacy to it. People have nostalgia for Dino Crisis. And it got there solely because one, it's got dinos in it. Two, it's got mm. Regina in it. Those are the only things yeah. that people remember about Dino Crisis, and it has caused it to have an enduring legacy. Yep, Regina's great. She's uh, equipping all the time. She's cool sassy. Design. She's got an attitude. Yeah, the design's really good. Uh, really unfortunate. That's the game that they decided to put Regina in. Yeah, it's completely wasted. Uh, also, just like the, the the plot of that game is not good. You're there to get Dr. Kirk, who's been doing experiments with third energy, which has basically caused a time rift and the dinosaurs have gotten through. Uh, oh no, they opened the door Dr. and then got on the floor. Right. Everybody did Everybody the dinosaurs. killed the dinosaurs. Oh. Uh, that's right. Boom, boom, a like a like a boom. Um, mm. You find Dr. Kirk halfway through the game, so, like, the, the main, you know, you got your bad guy, you bagged him, and then, like, he just kind of gets away, and you think for a while, like, oh, no, Dr. Kirk is loose in the facility, and he don't want to get caught, so he's going to, like, now I got to overcome Dr. Kirk's nefarious traps as he unleashes dinosaurs upon me. That doesn't happen. You just kind of bump into him in a hallway, and then you're like, hey, man, you're under arrest again. Mm-hmm. <sighs> God. Boring game. Dino Crisis 2, on the other hand. Yeah, now you're That's a fucking video game, yeah. Just run around and shoot fire at dinosaurs. So Dino Crisis 1 sold very, very, very well. It it performed great, which is why it actually is a little bit baffling that Capcom would then look at that thing and be like, hey, let's do none of the same shit. Let's just make this an action game. I feel like it's almost like a precursor to Resident Evil 4. Yes. Uh, there is um, there is something very arcadey about Dino Crisis too. I mean, it's got the points. Way this... Gives you a point yeah. counter. So the way the way that this plays is, instead of a survival horror game, you're basically going through segmented areas and just trying to get from point A to point B to progress the story. And as you're going through, dinosaurs will pretty much infinitely spawn on your path to your destination, and you're awarded points based on how many you kill. Uh, your combo, how many of them you kill in quick succession, and whether or not you manage to land a counter, and if you manage to get through without losing any health. And so your points end up letting you buy more weapons, uh, and and that's basically the structure of the game. Occasionally, you need to go find a key to open a door, or you need to loop back around to a location and flip a switch or something like that, get a gas mask to go into another location. That is the part of the game where it kind of starts falling apart. Uh, I I think they would have been better off 
kind of parting ways completely from the survival horror aspects of the game instead of still trying to do like cheap plays at having survival horror puzzles. And there's also the bit where you have to trap the compy by uh, sliding oh, the vents God. closed and everything. Yeah. So the setup of that is fairly easy because it tells you what to do and you just run around and you close all the vents except for the one by the door on the other end of the room. The problem is that the compy does not want to be cooperative and so yep. you have to come at it from very weird angles and it's kind of hard to be precise with that because the controls are still tank controls. Yeah. So yeah, I just had a lot of that thing just kind of running into a corner and then running past me and having to kind of loop back around. Yep. Uh, there's a bit where you get to a location and it's like, oh gosh, you need a key. It's all the way back over here <laughs> in this other part of the level in the water. Go fuck around over there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually need to... Uh, hold on a second. I need to look something up. Did you ever play Dino Crisis 3? No, that is an Xbox game, right? Yes. Xbox okay. exclusive for some reason. Great. <laughs> so, um, good luck trying to play that. So, I had uh I had pulled up in a guide for Dino Crisis 2 not necessarily because I needed it because there's really nothing in Dino Crisis 2 that needs to make you think too critically about what you're doing. But mostly just because I kind of wanted to go like, okay, at what point should I shut the game off and go to bed? Like, how far into this am I? Uh, I looked up a guide by somebody whose username on GameFAQs is Badman, but it's <laughs> done like an acronym. Okay. <laughs> like, Badman is about to explode yeah. kind of thing. Um, I like that this thing starts with, yo, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Not good <laughs> if you're using my guide, wink face. You'll be Great. thinking of what? You'll be thinking that why the hell am I writing so much legal stuff after writing the guide for Dino Crisis? That was a hell of a game. I wrote it with my real name of, and then it's just a bunch of like symbols, like he's swearing in a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, hey, why not one for Dino Crisis too? So this whole guide is written like this. Thanks, bad man. Reminds me of like looking up a recipe or something and having to scroll through 80 paragraphs of stories about what the person who wrote it, like what yeah, their day was just... like at work or something. <laughs> and just like, give, yeah. give me the recipe. Shut up. Except this like chicken Parmesan recipe starts with, yo, what's up, nerds? <laughs> Heard you fuckheads were trying to make chicken parm. All right. Boom. What, you want to make apple crisp? I guess you're not doing so well if you're looking at this recipe. <laughs> oh, God. I really... Part of why I look up a lot of guides for games like this, too, is occasionally you get something like this, and it's just a re- so fucking good. Old Game Facts is so fucking good. Oh, yeah. So Lots of really good ASCII like a- art. I was about to say, you can tell the quality of a guy based on how good and elaborate the ASCII art is at the start of it. Absolutely. <sighs> anyway, Dino Crisis 2, uh, it's very fun. I, I really like the shift that they made towards it being more arcadey. I kind of wish that they stuck with that. It's a very short game, too. Uh, it took me like only three hours to beat it based on the in-game clock, and I didn't spend much more time beyond that. Um, so... If I had to rate these games, I would give the first Dino Crisis probably, uh, you know, uh, 
give it a triceratops. It's a perfectly fine dinosaur for what it is, but you know, not many people are crazy about a triceratops. Uh, but Dino like Crisis 2. Dino Crisis 2 is a Utah raptor. It is vicious, Ooh. it is full of energy, it gets you excited. Yeah. You want to interact with it, but also it's a little bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Dino Crisis. That's the first week of October. Uh, next week, I'm yeah. Give give some context. We're going to talk about the first two Silent Hills at some point during this because I've been sitting on those for a while. Okay. Uh, but I am also in the process of replaying a lot of Castlevania. So at some point, there's going to be a probably the end of the month, like a mega-sized Castlevania. Nothing episode, spookier than Castlevania. That's yeah, right. Yeah, you're seeing Dracula. You're seeing on uh, Silent Hill because you miscalculated the number of weeks last year. Yes, that's right. So I had to. I, had I to forgot that about that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You're like, wait a second. We do this. On, this comes out on Thursday, right? I was like, that's yeah. Right. Like, oh no. Oh shit. Oh, anyway, I, I can't miss. wait to do the same thing this year, and then talk about <laughs> Castlevania in 2021. Uh, yeah, mean, no, we'll probably talk about Silent. I mean, Hill. technically, we're already one week short now because. Last we week's are. would have come out on the first, but the point is, it is Silent Hill and there's Castlevania to look forward to, and then I don't know, maybe if there is time, we will return to Echo the Dolphin and Splatterhouse, and that is pretty much mm. what is only, on the docket. Only for this Splatterhouse October. one, or also two and one Paku Graffiti. Uh, whatever is on the Turbo Graphics sixteen is the one that I played. Well, there are multiple. Well, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I just played what is called Splatterhouse well, for the Turbo Graphics 16. You should at least do the sequels then, especially One Paku Graffiti. So that's a weird game. All right. The Kid Maybe. Dracula of that franchise. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I need to. Uh, I need to take something off the list and put that Game Boy Castlevania on. <sighs> I had I had put Terrible. something else. I put me, I put Medieval on there and i want to play that game but i really would actually prefer to play the remake and i'm kind of waiting to get that for like real cheap so it's maybe not a good list game so i need to take that off and put that castlevania for the game boy on yeah i mean i would say just wait for a remake because from what i can tell that is just that game they did not change yeah. pretty much anything about it yeah and i've i played the demo for the original one and it oh, seems yeah. fun enough and and so yeah I, I would like to get my hands on that i like medieval 2 a lot more um, I wish they had remade Medieval 2 and just skipped the first one, but whatever. Yeah. All right. That's, uh, God, this is a long episode of the podcast. Uh, yeah. well, you know, we're backed up. If you, yeah. Uh, if you listened this far, I appreciate it a whole lot. I think we talked about some uh, Deep Space Nine segment was fun. We talk about more Deep Space Nine in the future. That's right. At yeah. some point, when the consoles when the consoles are out and we no longer have to spend forty minutes per episode trying to wrap our minds around what the fuck Sony and Microsoft are doing, <laughs> we can finally put that behind us and and free ourselves of this fucking albatross. And to be fair, we know what Microsoft's doing. Yes, they've been very clear about it. Thankfully, yeah. Sony. Ooh. Sony, on the <laughs> other hand, yeah, I pull out the Ouija board every night and try to fucking divine what Sony is doing. Well, I you know until then I think it's mm -hmm. because Shuhei Yoshida 
isn't in charge anymore. I think he was the one steering the ship for the PlayStation yes. 4. I think now they are rudderless. Just mm. uh, Mark Cerny, he's wow. doing what he can. I want to believe Mark Cerny is looking at some of this and being like, man, what the fuck is going on? But yeah. I... let me end the episode. Okay. <laughs> because I'm going to say it now and it's going to be more pertinent than ever. Goodbye, dinosaurs. Play that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> I mean, uh, play, play the dinosaur song from the Mario movie. Thank you. Yes, I, of course I was going to. What else would it be? Well, you, can't do the Mar- you can't do the Mario movie one because we've done that before. So you have to do the original one. So, uh... good. Goodbye, dinosaurs. through